This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Wednesday, November the 16th, 2022. Now we got some cloud cover this morning and it's chilly out. A few snowflakes falling this morning. But hey, we're nice and toasty inside here in the log cabin deep inside the Midwest. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Donald Trump gave his speech last night. He's running for president again. Got some information for you today that's very interesting. We're going to do an autopsy on the midterm elections. So let's uh, talk about a little bit. I've got some very interesting content going through the data, what happened in the midterms, why we lost uh, the tsunami red wave. We were victorious in the House, but not quite what was expected, and we need to learn from our mistakes. So we have some very interesting information today to, to share with you so that we can all be aware of what we need to do to make things better as a party, and as our messaging goes out to the American people. All right, I want to start off with a clip here from Fox News. This is a clip with Maria Bartiroma and Steve Miller talking about the election. Let's listen to their words. And we begin this Sunday morning with a deep dive into why the midterm red wave predicted by so many political pundits did not materialize. As control of the House is still up for grabs, currently in the House, Republicans have 211 seats, compared to the Democrats with 205 seats, 218 seats needed to clinch the majority. And over in the Senate, Democrats will retain control with a minimum of 50 seats, with Georgia still in play ahead of the runoff in December. All of this coming as Americans have been dealing with 40-year high inflation due to President Biden's tax and spend policies, an issue most voters said was a top priority. Joining us right now to examine the reasons for the lackluster performance by Republicans is the former White House senior advisor, Stephen Miller. Stephen, it's great to see you this morning. Thank Thanks you. for being here. Absolutely. Let's talk about your thinking here. What are the reasons, in your view, the Republicans underperformed? There's three very important considerations to understand what happened. Republicans won the popular vote by between five to six million votes. We'll see what that ultimately comes down to, but about a four percentage point edge. So the first question, for millions more ballots to be cast for Republicans overall, but to lose the Senate and to have a cliffhanger in the House. And the biggest and number one reason for that is Democrat mastery of mail-in balloting, vote harvesting, and the machinery of the early vote in these states where they're voting for weeks, if not months, before the election. So in very tight swing states, where it's going to be decided by a few percentage points, they can swing the outcome by collecting ballots in extremely low propensity areas and with extremely low propensity voters and bank those ballots long before election day ever happens. There's no such thing as election day anymore. 
Take, for example, a case like Pennsylvania to be concrete about this. So Oz leaves a bruising and bloody primary. And as is normal, what happens when you leave a bruising and bloody primary, you're going to be down in the polls against your general election opponent. So what happens? Early voting starts, harvesting starts, unsolicited mail-in ballots are sent out for weeks when Oz is behind in the polls, when he's 10 down and then 5 down and then 3 down and then 2 down, when he has the debate too late. The old rules, the old horse race that you and I and our, and our viewers today follow their whole lives doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. When the Republican candidate closes strong, it's too late. That's reason okay, number so, one. So election day is no longer election day. That's number one. What's number two? The financial disparity between the Democrats and Republicans is still enormous, particularly at the top of the ticket. Here I'll use Arizona as the example. Blake Masters left his primary, again, a long and difficult primary, as they often are. And Mark Kelly had a $55 million campaign war chest, plus outside groups. They drowned Blake in the first month with $30 million in negative ads before Blake even had his first ad on TV. And in this context, we have to note the extraordinarily fateful decision on the part of the Senate Leadership Fund and Mitch McConnell to take the money that should have been spent in Arizona to get Blake up on TV early on and instead give it to Lisa Murkowski for a Republican battle against the Republican-backed nominee in Alaska. And if you want to find one state where that extra six to nine million dollars would have been the difference maker, that's it, Arizona. The disparity at the top of the ticket was crushing for our candidates. Yeah, that's a great point. So the money that he spent for Lisa Murkowski should have gone to Arizona behind Blake Masters. Okay, money number two. Number three, what's the third N issue? Number three is the need to win independent voter, voters by seizing on winning wedge issues and fighting for them with every breath that you have. Democrats do this, Republicans don't. Look at, for example, the abortion issue. All right. need it to be an issue that they can target and activate the right voters with, with overwhelming enthusiasm. Every single voter in this country who cares about abortion knows with certainty that if Democrats get the House and the Senate, they will codify abortion on demand through nine months. And they know it. They absolutely know it. By contrast, is there any voter in this country who believes that if Republicans won the House and the Senate, that they would immediately shut down the border crisis, that they would move heaven and earth, shut the government down if they had to, to seal up that southern border, to save this country from open borders. Nobody believes that. But unlike abortion, that is an 80-20 issue. And so is crime. That's an 80-20 issue. And so is gender. 80-20 issues. But if you just have them as election day talking points, you're not going to break through the funding disparity. You're not going to break through the media bias. You're not going to yeah. break through to independent voters. You're not going to break through to any human being alive in a swing state. And so you're yeah. going to lose these close races because the Republican brand set by Mitch McConnell on down is not exciting, is not persuasive, is yeah. not convincing to voters. Really important analysis there. V very well done. I got to get your take before you go what this means for 2024 and what this means for leadership. They're going to be having elections this upcoming week in the Senate 
A number of senators said, whoa, 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 this is too early. Ron Johnson is going to be with us coming up. Rick Scott is going to be with us coming up. Uh, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz tweeted, let's push off the elections uh, for the leadership. What is your take? I unequivocally associate myself with the senators that you just mentioned. It would be preposterous to hold leadership elections before the midterms are over, before Georgia is done, and before we have all the data to understand what happened. Another question. What needs to happen is that Senate Republicans, who have the power of the filibuster, and therefore can put Democrats on defense in that body, they need to have a clear understanding of what are the three or four issues that they are going to fight for tooth and nail yeah. every single day. So that okay. even a voter who doesn't follow news, who doesn't pay attention to Washington, even yeah. that voter will be reached by the understanding of what Republicans care about and what they are willing to fight for. Well, I think Carrie Lake has made that her issue, and she's coming up. She'll talk about that. People believe she will uh, declare an emergency for the border. Uh, Stephen, thank you. Former White House thank Senior you. Advisor Stephen Miller here. Okay, there you go. There's a, a little autopsy on the midterm elections from Stephen Miller. And I think he made three uh, very, very important points. And I think that uh, we need to learn from the past and be able to implement the future with some of these ideas. Early voting, early voting, uh, ballot harvesting, grabbing the, the votes early before the, the debates, and really locking in that margin, that the, these, these races are on very small margins. And when you can get out and gather enough mail-in ballots to pad that lead before the debates and before people make up their minds, then that's enough to get these swing states already over the finish line before we're at the end. Now, I'm going to talk to you in just a minute about what happened down in Orlando with a Democratic whistleblower who blew the lid off of the ballot harvesting down there. And uh, we got to believe that this is probably happening in a lot of different states around the country. But when you hear this story, you'll get a picture of what we're talking about. The second point was the money issue. Big money coming in, dark money like Soros money. That kind of blast of the media really put uh, Blake Masters out of, out of the running uh, early because so much money was spent in this race which really had an effect on his election. And also the fact that the GOP was putting monies in places that were not really where it probably should have been spent. And as a result of that, we lost some very important Senate seats. And then uh, lastly, uh, targeting the independents. We talked about that yesterday and how the messaging and, and the use of TikTok and going after that Gen Z and millennial uh, targeted area there really made a big difference in how they turned out and how they voted for the Democrats. Now, I want to shift gears, and I'm going to leave you with this, um, this story about Orlando and, and uh, ballot harvesting, because still people, for some reason, don't want to look at the possibility that there's some things going on that could be affecting the, the vote the voter integrity issue. John Solomon, Just the News, a broken expose story back in September, I believe. And this was a whistleblower from a Democrat. This is not a, a Republican or some conspiracy theorist that, that broke this story, but this was a Democrat that came forward 
and revealed what was happening down in Orlando. I'm going to read this story to you because it's important for you to understand what's, what it's about and, and how it could affect the elections. And I do believe this is going on in, in many different multiple areas, especially with uh, Soros money. Okay, the headline is Democrat blows whistle on alleged ballot harvesting scheme. Florida opens a criminal probe. Ouch! Dem on dem crime. But if some of you will be honest, you know stuff like this has been going on for a long time and all over the nation. When we get more repub governors that are interested in fair elections, then I wonder what they might come up with. This is by John Solomon and Natalie Middlestadt. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's new election crimes unit has recommended state police open a full criminal investigation into a Democrat whistleblower's detailed complaint of a long-running widespread ballot harvesting operation in the African-American communities in politically important central Florida. Former Orange County Commissioner candidate Cynthia Harris filed a sworn affidavit in late August with the Secretary of State's office alleging that illegal operations to collect third-party ballots have been going on for years in the Orlando area where voting activists are paid $10 for each ballot that they collect. She described an intricate system funded by liberal-leaning organizations that dispatch ballot brokers into black communities to pressure voters to turn over their ballots. The $10 fee per ballot is divvied up among the parties who help complete the harvesting. The collection and delivery of ballots by third party is illegal in Florida. The newly created Office of Election Crimes and Security did a preliminary inquiry on Harris's allegations and concluded there was sufficient evidence to warrant a full criminal probe by the state police. The Florida State Department told Just the News on Wednesday. The Florida Department of State Office of Election Crimes and Security was made aware of this issue around September 1st of 2022. The department said after further inquiry, OECS received additional information related to the allegation on October 17th, 2022, and performed a preliminary investigation. Now, since uh, the OECS is an investigative entity and does not have authority to make arrests, the offices forwarded the complaint to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement for possible violations of Section 104.0616 Florida statutes, it added. Now, the department in Florida adds an explosive new allegation to concerns nationwide that ballot trafficking is widespread in some battleground states. A claim made famous by the research, the conservative watchdog group True the Vote, and a documentary released earlier this year by filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza called 2,000 Mules. Now, the Arizona prosecutors have achieved several convictions in that state for ballot harvesting, most recently securing the guilty plea of a former Democrat mayor in Yuma County. True the Vote filed a complaint in Georgia alleging thousands of, of ballots were harvested in the 2020 election, but those allegations have not yet been collaborated as authorities negotiate with the nonprofit group for its evidence. A Wisconsin investigation unmasked a sophisticated ballot harvesting effort targeting vulnerable nursing home patients in communities like Racine, Wisconsin. Now, this is what Harris has to say. Harris, who narrowly lost her election for county commissioner in August, described to Just the News her years-long knowledge of ballot harvesting in the black communities in central Florida. 
She even recorded a ballot broker coming to her home in 2017 to collect the ballot and obtain the script that Harvesters was given by her bosses to make the pitch for a voter to turn over their ballot. So what happens is in our community, when absentee ballots are mailed, you, the candidate or any political party, can find out when the absentee ballots are mailed and to whom what happens is these ballot harvesters, they know which batch has gone out. They go to the door and they ask you for their absentee ballot. Harris told Just the News, well, in communities that don't look like me, no one does this, she said, referring to white neighborhoods. But in our community, it's kind of like an accepted practice that the man is coming to pick up my absentee ballot or the lady is coming to pick up my absentee ballot. In her sworn affidavit, Harris identifies specific individuals who direct and act as ballot brokers and were paid to collect ballots and provides intricate details on how the system allegedly works, along with emails, receipts, video footage, and other evidence. Now, the ballot brokers typically work up to a year in advance. She stated ballot brokers visit individuals in their residences and assist the individual with filling out a request for a mail-in ballot. After the mail-in ballot arrives, the voter is instructed to wait for the ballot broker returns to the individual's residence. They are asked to not seal the certificate envelope. In rare circumstances, if the voter has filled out the ballot and sealed the envelope certificate, the ballot broker will take the ballot and then steam open the sealed envelope, the affidavit added. The ballot broker will either correct any votes, if necessary, that were not voted according to their wishes, or just throw them out. Harris described how much, as in Wisconsin, vulnerable patients in rehabilitation centers and nursing homes in Florida were targeted for ballot trafficking. For nursing homes, ballot brokers get the list of residents by cross-referencing the address with the voter registration list. She explained, the ballot broker figures out the best way to make contact, usually through friends and family that may or may not know that they are even part of a scheme. They help the resident fill out the mail-in ballot or just take the mail-in ballot from the nursing home and deliver it to the ballot broker. Harris, who has worked as an election poll worker in the past, said her biggest concern in coming forward is that ballots collected by third parties have no chain of custody, making it easier to commit fraud, such as destroying a ballot or altering it. You know, it's just utterly ridiculous that people don't understand that once that ballot leaves your hand and is not placed in the mailbox or it's not directly given to the supervisor of elections, you don't know where it goes, she said. It's possible they throw them away. We've seen evidence of that. You see them steam open the ballots and then they mismark them so that it's not for their candidate and that ballot is spoiled. So when people think that the numbers are low, it's really not low. It's just some that someone has intercepted before it gets to the proper authorities. Harris alleged that the Orange County Supervisor of Elections, who has held the office for 26 years, has turned a blind eye to ballot harvesting in her community. This has been going on for so long, you have to look at the Supervisor of Elections himself. He's been there since 1996. That's 26 years that this has been a blind eye turned on our community and the people that we entrust in the fair elections and the democratic process. It has been flawed for a long time because this only happens in our community. It happens all over the nation, but we are the ones that suffer from it because we're the most disenfranchised. We don't have the resources to fight back, and we don't know how to fight back by telling our story. The Office of Orange County Supervisor of Elections Bill Cowles said in a response to a request for comment regarding Harris's claim, 
that he is not aware of any issues regarding ballot harvesting. So he is unable to comment on that at this time. Well, that's not hard to understand. The office added that if there are any issues that Harris is concerned about, we would recommend her filing a complaint with the state for investigation. All right, so you get an idea what's, uh, what uh, the story's about. This is uh, just another part of the piece that we, you know, we need to understand. We need to, I mean, if it's as close as these elections go, that's, you know, that's enough to put somebody over. You know, when these things are delayed, like we saw in Nevada and Arizona, it's just a perfect opportunity for these uh, schemes to, to delay and to stuff the ballots and bring them in and make uh, the difference in the elections. So I hope that uh, gives you some more uh, in information and uh, an autopsy of the midterms elections. It's not just one issue, but it's multiple issues that we have to address and make our elections better. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless y'all. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.